Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And welcome to part two duh, of Trouble at Dill Creek Farm, an episode in a farm so big, we had to cut it in half. We were in a pickle. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're welcome. So this is season 31, episode nine. It aired on November 11th, 2022, and it's hosted by the beautiful Andrea Canning. And just to give a recap, in case you didn't listen to the first, you're going to be so confused. You, this is a very dense episode, hence, again, parts one and parts two. So go listen to part one. So there's a farmer slash pharmacist, a farmer assist named Ken and his wife, Cindy. Ken is shot and killed. And Cindy points the finger at his children who hate her and call her the B word. And the B word was written on a piece of paper and stabbed with a knife into the bed. But he also had fights with the people at this racetrack he owned, including Eddie Munster, like the actor who played Eddie Munster. Like we said, this episode is wild. So you might need to go back. You're definitely going to need to go back. And take a listen. Then a mysterious letter comes in the mail with a pubic hair in it. Cindy's sister defends Cindy and thinks she's innocent and perfect and speaks really loudly. And Ken's sister... Lori is playing detective because she doesn't feel like the detectives have done enough because 15 years have passed and nothing is happening. Yes. Again, please go listen to part one. Yeah, like we said. But that's a brief overview. Have we implored you enough? Ken was also killed at home. At his house on the farm. That's why the pillow was stabbed with the word bisque with the knife through it. Yeah. And Cindy is not the, Cindy is the stepmom to the kids that don't live with them, who are teenagers mostly. Yes. That's it. So the detectives who are stumped. Wait, wait, where did we leave off? Yeah. What was happening last time? What happened last time was the letter came in. Yes. With pubic hair. And what else happened? They're trying to figure out if any of the guys that work at the racetrack, there's one shady business partner. Oh, there's another pharmacist named Ed. And Ed unbeknownst to us, has some appeal to beautiful exotic dancer women. Ed was Ed was, But Ken's also best they friend. were mad at each other because Ed got involved in the racing business and the racing business was doing really bad. Yeah, the racing track was tanking. It was a side project that was an expensive side project that's going under. Ken stopped going to Vegas with the naked ladies with Ed. And so Ed was kind of annoyed at that because, as Andrea said, bye-bye naked ladies. Also, none of that was said from Ed, though. That was all here's second party hearsay from Pam, Cindy's sister. Pam, yeah. Pam, Pam. So yeah. I would like to That's actually. That's how Pam talks. I would like to know what Ed actually. I don't know. I would like to know what Ed would say about him and Ken's relationship. Was that your best friend? Right. I don't know. I can't really get a read on Ed. Was it like on one side, like he was your best friend, but you weren't his best friend? Right. I don't know anything about Oh, and there's a will that. Yeah. that has been possibly forged that gives oh. all the money to Cindy. Yes. And right now, Lori is having trouble with the police. Lori and the, the detectives are sort of butting heads because Lori feels like they're not doing their job. And she's going to talk to all these 
sort of side players that were all involved in the racetrack. I think that's where we left off last time. She also wants to know why didn't they test Cindy's hands for gunshot residue? Which I can't get over and I shan't. I shan't get over it. So, but they're saying she got in the way of our doing our jobs, which you weren't doing anyways. Okay, so the detectives then get an urgent call from, an urgent call in the middle of the night. Someone in the local jail has info about the case and it's Brian a bartender at the local bar, which I believe is the bar that is on the campground where the racetrack is. But we don't know if this bar is owned by the racetrack. We think, no? I don't know, but it's all just super shady at the racetrack slash campground. The racetrack and the campground are one thing? Yeah. Well, no, the racetrack is on the campground. I think the campground is bigger. Oh, my gosh. Or are they attached Unsure. It's just shady. We need to see lease agreements. We don't have any documents on this. So we just we're making guesses and assumptions. But yeah. Yeah. And Brian is just one more name. We've had we're about to have a lot of names. So maybe remember the bartender, but maybe forget his name because you're about to be inundated with names. You get mad when I don't say names. You're like, they're people. They deserve to have their name said. I have more. I told you I morphed them into one name for this, (laughs) except that it's kind of important because they each play a part in something that's coming. So yeah. we do so, kind of okay. have so to say So this is names. Brian, the bartender. And yeah. as any good bartender, he has been arrested for his fifth drunk driving incident. Good God. I Poor can't. Brian. I have Brian flames on the side of my face. I cannot. Brian needs help. That, Brian no, needs help. he needs to go to jail. Yeah. Brian needs to have one of those courts where they sentence you to a facility. Yes. Yes. Or he needs to like. At the DUI number two. I think whatever his biggest fear is. Oh, like you, a spider? Like a spider, you lock oh, him fear in, factor. A, in a cage with a spider. You know how many people out there whose biggest fear is to lose someone in a drunk driving accident, Katie? Yeah, And he true. makes those fears come true. Yeah. So he wants to cut a deal for this info that he says he has. He says he overheard some men talking about the murder. And you think it's going to be Randall who's the guy who part owns the racetrack and is being sued by Ken because he it was shady. It's three other men. He heard them laughing and talking about the murder. The first is Jerry, a businessman they call California Jerry. Then there's Gary, who is a.k.a. Dr. Dissect because he... He scares visitors at the campground's haunted house because, of course, this campground has a haunted house. Honestly, it looks like haunted house year-round. And it's called Monster. I think it Monster. is haunted house year-round. I think maybe. Yeah. So he, Gary dresses up like Ozzy Osbourne biting the bat, kind of. But in a lab coat? But in a lab coat because he's a doctor. And then he's holding a bloody head that's like, new head, who dis? It, but it's a weird mannequin head that's kind of doing... A tongue all curled out like a member of Kiss. He looks like so, Rob Zombie a little bit. It that's the vibe. Yeah. It's very It's very Rob Zombie. Yes. But did you see the tongue on that mannequin? Yeah. I mean, is he also a band member? Is he in a band? I feel like is he it, could also is be it a in Kiss a band. Cover band. Is Dr. Dr. Dissect and the Worms. <laughs> Dr. Dissect and the specimens. And the scalp scalpels. Mm-hmm. Now, so we have Jerry, California Jerry, we have Gary, the doctor, and we have the third is Eddie Munster. A.K.A. Butch Patrick. Butch Patrick. 
what the f? What's going on? Did did Eddie Munster grow up in this area? Is that why? Why is Butch Patrick connected to this at all? I think it was just because Randall was super obsessed with the Munsters, so he named the racetrack around the Munsters. And actually, I have outside information in our tweets. He made the whole thing Munster themed. It wasn't just that it was called Monster Hall or whatever. Is that what it was called? Monster Hall? Yeah, Monster Hall Racetrack. Is Monster Hall something in the show, The Monsters? I guess they called it Monster Hall. So that's it. And they couldn't name it Monster Hall for copyright? I'm sure. Maybe. Definitely. But he decorated it complete with Munster stuff. He has a bunch of cars and a bunch of like memorabilia. He spent a lot of money. So he would have Butch, who was maybe the only cast member willing to come regularly and sign autographs. Or living. Or living. Or living. Sure. I don't want to assume. I'm sure. It was. Yeah. So Butch is willing to go and sign autographs regularly. Because. Wow. He likes the attention. So Brian thinks this is what – now remember, Brian is super drunk and DUI heavy. Mm -hmm. He thinks there was a falling out between these three guys and Ken that had to do with drugs. There we go. Because apparently – Katie's favorite thing. Apparently, Ken the pharmacist – Not drugs. Just when I'm sometimes right about when it is drugs involved. Yeah. Although this is not that time. So Ken, the pharmacist, was maybe selling illegal drugs from time to time. And Brian says the morning of the murder, Brian had driven California Jerry to Ken's house to pick up some cocaine. I'm Okay. So Brian said when California Jerry came back to the car, he was really, really angry at Ken. Because? There was a bad cocaine deal with the pharmacist. Okay. Do pharmacists uh, okay. have easy access to cocaine? I would not say cocaine. I this story lost track when he decided to go for cocaine instead of like pills? oxycontin. <laughs> it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Pick if, something if he you has choose access something to. that a pharmacist has access to, right? Xanax, then maybe we would, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not like pharmacists know the best drug dealers in town. Cut out the middleman, go to the drug dealers yourself. You don't need the pharmacist for cocaine. Why can't I say that word? I'm not sure what's going on with your mouth. Are you all right? Do you need to lie down? No, I'm fine. Do I need to call the hospital? No, I'm fine. Okay. So, dissect. Cocaine. Dissect. (laughs) Cocaine. Dissect. What are you watching right now? What have you been watching? Bake Off. Bob's Burgers. That might do it. Bob's Burger shouldn't do it. Yeah. So detectives think Brian seems drunk, obviously, mm-hmm. and he's not making a lot of sense. But a few weeks later, they find out that he's spreading all this stuff around about the murder to people at the campground. And now his story has changed and that he was there at the murder. He was the getaway driver. Oh, my God. Brian and, is drunk and a blabbermouth. Yeah. And some combination of all three of the other guys were with him. So they bring in the first two guys. They bring California J- Jerry yes. and Gary. A.K.A. Dr. Dissect. Yeah. They can't get Butch Patrick, A.K.A. Eddie Munster, because they have to reach him through his publicist. And Andrea says, how Hollywood. They Apparently, they like never speak to him. It seems like they never actually speak to him, which is so ridiculous. Like, you're the police. He's not you're, Tom Cruise. He's not Tom Cruise. Publicists are not more powerful than the police. 
they're sometimes crazy. I've known several that are crazy. Yeah. But they're not that scary and they can't stop the police from talking to you. I think that I picture all publicists as Craig in Parks and Rec. That's my best friend, Donna. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? I picture all publicists like that. That would be an excellent publicist. You would want him as your publicist. Yeah, hype man. Yeah, but like very and very straightforward and sort of angry. It's good. Wait a minute, though. I think that what's happening here is that this is Wisconsin and they're just not used to dealing with publicists, period. So I think they think that this whole bubble of celebrity is a little more impenetrable than it actually is, is my guess. He's Eddie Munster. Again, it, he to, was famous to like them, 50 years ago. Celebrity. Vintage so, celebrity. To him, maybe Eddie Munster is like Dick Van Dyke. Right. Don't know. The, okay. That's don't know. horrible to say about Dick Van Dyke. So I don't know. California Jerry says he has an alibi. He was in California, as his moniker suggests. Oh, my God. Jerry says he was at home, probably decapitating another mannequin. Gary was. Yes. Gary. Yeah. And Butch, they I don't think they ever talked to right now. So police find no evidence that Ken was selling drugs on the side. So they're starting to think this whole story of Brian's is just completely falling apart and that yeah. none of it's true. Then a few late years later, a witness comes forward and she does appear on Dateline. Her name is Rainey and she's the ex-wife of Gary, a.k.a. the doctor. She says... Eight years after the murder, because at this point you realize it's been eight years. Later, it's going to be 15 years. It's been eight years right now. Wow. What have the police been doing? So I'm sure they're trying. Okay. So it's been eight years and Gary and she were married. They're now divorced. Gary told her that he was there that night with other guys. And at the end of the night, Ken was dead. Just magically. Yeah. I love when people tell stories like that, that there's no blame whatsoever. It's just someone was dead. So he says, Randall, who was the ex-business partner getting sued from the racetrack, kept asking Gary to kill Ken. And Gary kept saying no. But finally, Gary was like, I'm tired of cutting heads off mannequins. I'll do it. Do it for realsies. Yeah. Wow. So Rainey, the wife, is scared, but she eventually called the police. And she even handed over a shotgun that she thinks might be the murder weapon. They bring in Gary. Hmm. He says Rainey's a liar. She made it up. She was paid off to say this. By who? No idea. Cool. Eddie Munster. So she was paid off to say this. And when Andrea tells Rainey this, Rainey laughs. And she says, if you're in that position, you're going to fight tooth and nail, too. And probably try to say things about me. So she says after a few calls with the investigators, she stops hearing from them. They felt like the gun that she gave them was the wrong gauge. And it seems like they believe Gary's story more than they believe Rainey's story. So she just stops hearing from the police. But she also has no other information. She has no story. She just has, we went in, things got bloody. I mean, really, she's got no... No direct. Right. Yeah, nothing. Andrea seems to like Rainey. And yeah, I like Rainey. I like Rainey. It seems like she's telling the truth, but I don't know if she was told a true story. I think that that's what we're looking at. Because I don't feel like she's lying. And I don't feel like she's going on Dateline just to lie. I don't know. I don't know what all these guys are playing at. 
This feels very odd. It feels like everybody's talking it up because somehow it makes them a bad boy. Does that yeah. does that sort of read like yeah, what might that. be happening here? Yeah, I could definitely see that. Oh, yeah, I know all about the murder. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this little sort of talk, talk, talk mm-hmm. around. I don't know. This feels weird. The whole thing was weird. Meanwhile, Ken's family, they're losing hope. Poor Margaret. Remember Margaret? The mom, his mom. Amazing. So the family puts ads in the paper every year on Ken's birthday. They're trying to keep the story going and get new leads. Finally, it's been 10 years after the murder. There's a new detective on the case. Okay. Dennis Blazer with a mustache. He is a determined detective. And blazing new trails. Blazering new trails. He has a whiteboard full of suspects. He says, I'm putting everyone back on the table. No one is cleared yet. And I liked him for now. Okay. His name is Dennis and he has a cop mustache. I'm on board. Okay. For now. For now. So Andrea is walking with him at Monster Hall. It was weird to see her at a racetrack. I don't know. She doesn't seem like she fits in there. But eh. so he rules out the new detective, Dennis. He rules out Ken's kids And the foster kids, also they had foster kids, very troubled foster kids that were staying with them. He rules Mm -hmm. out all the young people. Who had also already been ruled out. That that had already been done. Yeah, he re-rules them out. Yeah. Randall, the ex-business partner, had moved out of state. But he finds his sister, who was his alibi, and she confirms that he was home that night watching movies with his kids. With her kids. We had heard he was playing video games with his nephew. So maybe that's the same thing, but I was suspicious. Oh, interesting. That's right. It's close enough. Maybe he said we watched a movie and played video games. And so. Yeah. hmm. Okay. So the detective calls Randall and he says, if you would, did you hire someone to kill Kent? We know you weren't there, but because you were playing video games, did you? And he says, no, I absolutely didn't. How could you live with yourself if you didn't? If you did something like that, et cetera. Is that just how this goes? You just say. Right. What do you expect me to say? Yes. Over the phone. Did you do this? And so the hope would be that he'd go, you're right. You're right. I did do that. I'm flying in. I'll be on the next plane. What's going on? I think they just hope they're going to get a vibe. Over the phone? Right. This is when I had a little bit of trouble with the new detective. Yeah. Was was that moment right there. Well, he told me he didn't do it. I have about six question marks on my notes here. Yeah. Was that, that can't be. All right. Okay, fine. So the detective calls Brian, the bartender. And oh, he who had the says drunk now, story. With the drunk story. Mm-hmm. He says now that the whole thing was a lie. Yeah. Sure. I can buy that. He says, I was just trying to get out of my DUI charge. Sixth DUI, right? <laughs> my fifth slash sixth DUI. Yeah, I buy that. I can buy that too. Uh, yeah. So everything but, that Kimberly just said, throw it out because yeah. that was so a lie. I should have skipped it. About Gary, California Jerry, and Eddie Munster, according <laughs> to Brian. That was all made up. But it's, I don't know. I feel like part of it might be things that he heard. I don't think it's all a lie. I just think he, he I'm was not really trying to. It's all a lie. Yeah. He um, was trying to get out of that DUI. He doesn't actually have an alibi for that night. So Mm. the detective doesn't want to rule him out completely. Right. And California Jerry was in California, but no one really can prove that he was in California. And so the detective wants to talk to Eddie Munster. He shows up at a car show where Eddie is. Sorry, Butch. 
And he says he doesn't remember where he was the night of the murder because he travels so much, which makes sense. And it was and how many years ago? It was 10 eight, years. Yeah, 10 years. Okay. Although you would remember a pivotal moment like someone was murdered, where you were when you heard that. But he doesn't maybe know Ken that well. I don't know if they're buds. No, he's just the owner of the racetrack, maybe. So maybe they didn't know each other that well. We don't know so, how many people in Eddie in Butch's orbit. He has a lot of friends. Yeah, maybe a lot of people go missing so or, you know. He says, ask my promoter. She does all my travel schedules. Maybe she'll have my schedule from 10 years ago. So we meet the promoter for a split second. Could have had a whole show with her. She's exactly what I pictured. It's like <laughs> down to the T. All of it. Eyeshadow, all of it. I was like, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, but she was not enough like Craig. I wanted her to be yelling more. No, she was no. And be very intense. No, but she was intense. She was yeah. just, but she was very honest. I liked her. But yeah, I would really like a whole spinoff She's half an hour with her. too honest to be an A-list celebrity's publicist. Yeah, you got, yeah, you really got to lie, don't you? Yeah. True. So the promoter says, I think he was in Wisconsin, which is where the murder took place. But that's not that weird. That doesn't mean he was at the house or anything. He was there a lot. So we don't know much more. Okay. So, so he was there a lot. But then the detectives asked the promoter, did he admit to you that he was involved in this? And instead of saying no and detective believing her because he believes what everyone says, she says I'm going to say no comment. I don't think you can do that, number one. Number two, so the detective immediately hauls Butch in and sits him down for questioning to get more details based on what the promoter said, and then that's how it went from here, right? No, absolutely not. Also, I thought you were a publicist. Just say no. Like, you lie She's all very the time. honest. She's very honest. She's a no BSer. But why? So that means yes. No comment means Means yes. yes. Because of course you would just say no if it was a no. So So that means Eddie Munster knows something. Eddie Munster for sure knows something, or was bragging to sound cool, like you said. I don't get that vibe from Eddie. It's weird. I get it from all the rest of them, but not him. (laughs) Based on what he's wearing in court. Okay, interesting. Yeah, the detective can't find any records to actually show where. Eddie Munster was. So he's trying to figure out, like, he's going to go to Gary. Gary's the next guy of the three guys. The doctor. The evil doctor. The doctor who was married to Rainey. Mm -hmm. And he listened to the previous interviews that were all recorded. And Gary is saying, I don't know what her deal is. We didn't even have a bad marriage. So I don't know why she's lying about me. The new detective agrees with Gary that Rainey is a liar. Because she's mad about a bad breakup, which neither of them said that they had. So he doesn't even interview Rainey. And this is where I lost him. Well, and this is where, what kind of voodoo does Dr. Dissect have right. that he's coming through here? And every time he goes in for the interview, they all believe him. Yeah. He must be charming. Yeah. Andrea is shocked that he didn't go back and interview Rainey. She's trying to be polite. She says, you said you were starting from scratch. You didn't even interview her. Wouldn't you think that would be an important thing to do? And he says, well, I watched her original interview and uh, her story didn't make sense. And Andrea- How did it not make sense? 
Andrea, who met with Rainey and seemed to like her and says, so she says, well, for the record, Rainey says she's 100% telling the truth and she's trying to do the right thing here. And the detective says, well, I don't believe she was telling the truth. And he used a little bit of a tone like little lady and I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. And Andrea really goes to bat for Rainey and I appreciated it. No, he had a tone. There was a tone. He had a tone. He did not like to be contradicted. Yeah. It wanted to be, I made the decision that Gary was fine and to not haul in Butch and sit him down in the chair and interrogate him when the promoter told us that there was no comment on mm-hmm. if he knew anything about this crime that I'm trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you had, okay, so you had Brian be brought back in and Brian now says his whole story was a lie. So you've seen firsthand how people can change their stories after right. the years, right. but you don't bring back in Rainy to see if her story is the same. You just watch her old tapes and you're done. That makes no sense. It to makes me. absolutely no sense. But I think that maybe what Detective Blazer is doing is that basically this is all sort of noise and he already kind of had a focus and he was going very quickly through these other parts. That's mm-hmm. why he doesn't call Eddie Munster and it's why mm-hmm. this sort of stuff doesn't happen is because he is already focused on someone but had yeah. to go through the motions to get to this other person. But then that's fine. Then just tell us that. Then just tell us that. That you didn't, don't say you started from scratch. But then that he would be accused of laser focus and right. then he's a, accused of tunnel vision so mm-hmm. he knows that too. So he's trying to play his cards. It just yeah. is the cards. It's not a good hand. Yeah. So he thinks it's Cindy and he thinks right away she's acting on the 911 call. He thinks she's saying things like, I found my husband. I didn't know he was at work. And it's not like, please help him. It's like, I, 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 Mm -hmm. all about her. Mm -hmm. And another thing is she says she went into the house and she went to the bathroom. Then she went to the kitchen in the living room. And then she found the body. And he looks at the layout of the house and he's showing us the layout of the house. And he says her route didn't make sense. Not really. She would have seen his body first before she went into those other rooms. It's the long way around to get to the bathroom. Yeah. Also, I'm very sorry. I am very confused by the layout of this house because they keep showing us the home, which looks to be about 4,000 square feet, if I had Mm -hmm. to guess. It's a massive house. Mm -hmm. And then they show us the floor plan, and it actually looks quite small. Mm-hmm. where the primary bedroom is like right off the living room. So it's mm-hmm. one of the first rooms you would walk to when you walk into the living room. I just, I don't, I'm a little confused about how the house is set up. But anyways, mm-hmm. she's going all the way. It's like the opposite the of way. Mary Poppins' house. It is. She's going all the way around the couch. I love the graphic though, because it made it very, very clear what he was talking about. And this is the first thing to me that I was like, oh, this really doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Why did she walk that way? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Sometimes you just... Have set patterns that don't make sense in your house. Also, maybe she, okay, I thought about this. What if she took a blanket out to the camper, brought the blanket back in? Maybe you'd walk it over and flop it on the couch because it's right. big. So you wouldn't want to flop it on the bed. You flop it on the couch because you're going to take it to the laundry or whatever. And right. then you just go back to the bat. So there could have been a step that she didn't tell them that would make that all make sense. But she mm-hmm. didn't tell us that step. So yeah. we don't know what it is. The main thing that bothers him is that Ken had left all the doors unlocked, and he's usually very security conscious. Katie thought it was perhaps because she was sleeping out in the camper. Yes. And he wanted to leave the door open. Yes. The security cameras were also off. Mm. And 
there were usually foster kids there, but they both happened to be out being hooligans that night in no. detention centers. Oh, so yeah. Ken was also naked in bed and passed out. So basically you have four things that don't normally happen that happened that only she would know happened that make it the perfect time to break in. How do we know that he was drunk that night? Did they test she, his blood level? Maybe. Or she told us that. So we no, believe sure her on some him. things and don't believe her on others? That can't I'm sure be they it. tested him. His blood. Okay. So they alcohol tested. Okay. Because that, all right. I, so he does seem like maybe sometimes he does get drunk though. Yeah. But they all on a night bar. where all the doors were unlocked, the security cameras were off. And the two children that usually lived there were not there that night because they had been arrested. No, one of them was in rehab, right? Sorry, one of them was in rehab. Rehab and then in detention center. center. But then maybe he got drunk that night because the kids weren't there and then passed out before he turned on all the security equipment. That would also make sense. I think the security cameras were on all the time during the day. We find out something later about them. Okay. So it just seems like a lot of things that a random person that would break in or someone that didn't live there wouldn't know. That would line up perfectly. Yeah, it's too much coincidences for Kimberly, for sure. Yeah. It's a lot of coincidences of why it's a great night to break into the house. Mm -hmm. So they go to talk to Cindy. She now lives with her daughter. She has, in the last 10 years, written a novel. And guess what the novel's about? A wife covers up the murder I'm sorry, a husband covers up the murder of his wife. Hmm. Don't do that if don't you're a that. suspect for murder. I don't think she thought she was. Because she wasn't until 10 years later. She had been talked to quite a few times. Do you she think was, she ever got the idea that she was a suspect? I don't know. She did think she was pretty smart. So she, maybe she thought they were believing her anytime she tried to blame it on one of his children or something. Also, the book is called Spider Lake. Which is another dateline. Date yeah, I remember Spider Lake. Is that in Wisconsin? No, but it is up north somewhere. It's it might there. have been in Wisconsin. I thought right. it was in Minnesota, but it was. I thought it was Ohio. There. Okay, yeah. So she says that the security cameras were off because he always turned them off at night because the humming was so loud. Hmm. What's the point of having security cameras if you don't put them on? How are they so loud outside? that you can hear them in the bedroom. Hmm. Put on a fan or something, then you can still have your security cameras on. Again, this house just seems so much bigger. It seems like you would just not be able to hear that. No, it seems like they would be... I need to look at the layout again. But again, yeah. he's if he's so security conscious, why would you have them off all the time? Correct. There's so many other ways. It's summer, put a fan on, a white yep. noise machine. Then you yep. can still have your... Close the window. So... She still says it was Alex, his youngest son, who was 16, and maybe somebody else, like another son or something. And she says it was that his ex-wife, Betty, that put the idea in his head. And she says his sister, Lori, also hated him. So she's throwing everything against the wall. And it's also like, Lori, you mean Lori, the one who gave up her life in Washington to move to Wisconsin to avenge his murder. That's the Lori you mean that hated him? Mm. So she says to the new detective, do you think I'm lying? And he says, I'm on the fence. And she says, we never fought. And he says, I call BS on that. And she's like, fine, call me a liar. 
So they're just very unhappy with each other mm-hmm. in this interview. Oh, yeah. And she says, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to just make something up? Fine. You know, I went to bed. I woke up with a dead husband. What don't you get about this? And she's yelling. And he grills her for seven hours. And finally, she asks him to leave because they're at her house, her daughter's house. And he leaves and he says, this is between you and God. And she says, I'm good with God. I will say this in the interview. Don't we hear part? We are hearing Mm -hmm. this, right? Mm -hmm. To me, she seemed pretty convincing. Mm. I don't know why. I just, I did write that. It did to me seem like, we've heard a lot of interviews. Yeah. She was one of the more convincing. Yeah. I will say. She reacted in a way that I feel like I would react if mm -hmm. I was like feeling defensive and confused and like, why why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. But also very much pointing fingers at the wrong people, which yeah, is weird. Yeah, she should be pointing fingers at these three guys the wh- that work at the, that are at the park. Dr. Dissect. I mean, come on. Come Why on. are we doing, sorry, Gary. I mean, allegedly, I don't know. Like what, the, there was so much trouble at the race park. It seems like that's where you should be focusing. And she yes. doesn't really do that. She really, I think it feels like she's honing in on the family as some sort of almost revenge thing, which yeah. is probably her downfall here, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not good. So we meet the DA and she decides it's good enough to press charges. And she fully admits there's no new information. But this is as good as it's going to get. Which I think is BS. Again, if you had the exact same case that you had 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and it wasn't good enough then. How is it good enough now? Why is it good now? If it was good enough now, you would have arrested her 10 years ago and she wouldn't have been out writing novels for the past 10 years. And Eddie still knows something. Butch knows something. The, the, pro, the promoter said it. Yeah. We need to bring that promoter in. We still don't have all the information. So they arrest Cindy and the detective says that it didn't. He says, well, let's just say she doesn't like me very well. They have a contentious relationship. So then we see her mugshot and my life changed. My life has never been the same after I saw her mugshot. What is going on? It might be one of the worst mugshots I've ever seen. And we've seen some really bad ones. I literally do not remember it. So um, this is shocking. I have Her face it. is bright red like she was wearing a sleep apnea mask because it's uh-huh. like on her T-zone. Was she crying? Had she been crying? Maybe she was crying. It's not flattering. Here, do you want me to hold it up for you? Yeah, do you have it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's sad. It looks like she's been crying for three days. I'm not going to lie bawling, crying for three days. Her eyes are so puffy and red, right? I That's maybe. I remember the mugshot. Here's the thing. You want to look great for your upcoming mugshot. You have to do preemptive skincare. Those things go hand in hand. Yeah, and the holidays are coming, and we all want. Know that you guys are going to get arrested. No, you know you're not, not going to get arrested. But with the holiday season, besides gift-giving, good food, there's always portraits. There's always oh, photos so many. and lots of them. And we all have those photos that you really just wish you could burn because they're the family photo or the friend photo where magically everybody else looks flawless. So it's on everybody's social media and in everybody's albums, but you are either caught mid blink mm. or worse, you're experiencing something I am calling Santa's curse, which <laughs> is another term I'm going to be using for my acne. It is the gift that no one wants. 
And while we can't control other aspects of the holidays, we here at A Date with Dateline can make sure that you are feeling a little more confident and camera ready for your photos. And that's by telling you about our friends at Apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Through Apostrophe, you can get access to oral and topical medications that use clinically proven ingredients to help clear acne. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and a board-certified dermatologist will create your initial customized treatment plan. Apostrophe offers access to prescription treatments for all kinds of acne, from hormonal acne, facial acne, and they even help with back, chest, and buttony. They treat breakouts from head to mistletoe. I chose Apostrophe <laughs> for my horrible cystic acne, which Santa cursed me with many years ago. And therefore, I have many, many bad photos in a row. I needed help with my acne as an emergency. And I also needed help with the residual after effects that having that kind of acne left my skin mm -hmm. in. I'm talking about texture issues, some mm -hmm. dark spots. I had multiple issues that needed attention. Submitting my visit with Apostrophe was so incredibly convenient and easy, and I loved the fact that I didn't need to schedule an appointment. And having access to the expert dermatology team at Apostrophe meant I now have a skin plan that's tailored specifically to me. And you know what? Santa's curse has been wiped away by Apostrophe's kiss. We now have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash date dateline when you use our code date dateline. That's a savings of $15. And this code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash date dateline, click get started, and then use our code date dateline at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you so much, Apostrophe, for bestowing your kiss upon my skin and putting a period at the end of my skin troubles. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Apostrophe. Gifting is hard. We all have those people in our lives that either have everything or don't need anything. That's what Kimberly. everyone needs. That, did you just say Kimberly? You're hard to buy for. I am so easy to buy for. I shove a lot of stuff at you that is moderately well, liked. An idea right now. Socks, t-shirts, underwear. Because everyone needs socks, t-shirts, underwear, unless you're Donald Duck. And maybe the case, best socks, t-shirts, and underwear. This is no ordinary sock, t-shirt, underwear combo. The best. Yeah. Are you familiar with the word huga? It's the Danish word for a quality of coziness and comfortability that promotes a feeling of contentment or well-being. It was one of those words of the year a couple years ago. It is like Bombus was made for that feeling. Huga. Everything they make, Huga. Everything is cozy at Bombus. They use materials like premium Pima cotton and ultra soft, never itchy merino wool in their socks and shirts. They have Sherpa lined slippers. Bombus feels so good to wear. It's super Huga. Bombus also not just feels good, Bombus does good. Yeah, they do. 
Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested items in homeless shelters. And for every item you buy, Bombas donates an item. So far, they've donated over 75 million items of clothing. Wow. And they have the cutest collections for the holidays, like purples and greens, geometric snowflakes, and sweater-inspired texture retro ski patterns. Like, the cutest So stuff. cute. Ugh. Also, if you want to do a family picture for the holidays, might I suggest a family set? I yes. can picture you guys all sitting and your feet are like towards the camera and your socks all match. How cute would that be? Oh, so cute. Also, they found something that I've been looking for for a long time. It's like a way to recycle, repurpose your clothing. They have these take back bags where you can send back any of your old clothes and they recycle and repurpose them and you get Bombas credit for it. That's so you can buy amazing. more clothes. It's amazing. So give the good this holiday season with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. Wow. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline. Code date dateline for 20% off. Bombas.com slash date dateline. Code date dateline. Bombas, 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 Bombas. For the holidays nicest stocking stuff forever. I mean, that's your main gift. My mother-in-law still talks about the Bombas that I got her last year for Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's still the best gift. And I'm mm -hmm. getting it for, again, this year. I'm just switching it up. Yeah. And those merino wool slippers with the grippies? Mm-hmm. Loves them. Loves them. Telling you. And they're still in great shape. Year later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... The trial starts for Cindy. It's yes. now been 15 years. Good God. The prosecutors basically say that she thought she had found the goose with the golden egg, but she was greedy. She wanted more, and more meant the life insurance. Turns out she had stacked up five insurance policies on Ken, and they added up to $1 million, plus she was going to get the farm. Which with is 105 acres. Possibly fake forged will. Most definitely forged fake will. Let's just say it. So they'd been married for three years. Only three years. And he she has cut five out all insurance children, policies. Cut out all the kids, gave everything to her. That's super suspicious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, the person who signed the will as a witness said that they never did. Forged. So a neighbor said he overheard Cindy pushing Ken to sell land because they needed money. They were having a lot of money troubles. Because Cindy, of the racetrack. Because of the racetrack. Cindy was the only one to know that the doors were unlocked, the cameras were off, and the foster kids were out of the house that night. Mm. Margaret, Ken's mom, takes the stand, and they ask how old she is, and she proudly says, 102. Amazing. And she complains that Cindy wouldn't let them have the body or because she didn't want Ken to be cremated. After he was cremated, she asked for some of the remains for her son, Cindy said no. Ooh. And they play these voicemails where Margaret is begging Cindy to call her back. Cindy, bad form. Never calls any of the family bad back form. when they call. There are notes on the bedroom mirror that are from Ken to Cindy. And they say, you're incredible, love you, you're beautiful, all of that. And the B matches the B on the bisque note that was on the bed. There's a couple theories here. Yeah, what's up? One is they were arguing. Ken wrote the bisque word on the note. Okay. And Cindy was at her last straw and she had wanted to kill him anyways. So she shot him. 
And then she used the note to look like she was being threatened. Okay. And the murderer was after her. I don't know if I buy that. She could have copied it. I don't know if they actually had it tested with the handwriting analysis. It's possible he wrote it another time. It's possible they were just like doing something and she's like, write bit, bis on a piece of paper. So I can like, you know, people do weird things like that. And then she saved it. There's, it's fairly. Did they test the other letters or was it really just that B? Or she forged all the notes on the mirror that made it look like how much he still loved her. I don't know. Everybody said how much he loved her. Everyone did. So I don't... That's I'm an assuming odd thing. they matched the other letters to his normal handwriting. It's just a weird thing that, like, if you were to fake that letter, if she was to fake that letter, why would she use his handwriting? That would be a weird thing to do, to be like, he wrote this note yeah, and you're then right. someone killed him. It makes no sense. Yeah. So what is that? What, so what's then happening? what logically does make sense is she had him write it at some point. He wrote it f- regarding something else like referring to something else, Mm -hmm. or he did write it. He was so mad at her. He was sick of her attitude with the kids. He was sick of everything. Okay. I don't know. I have a lot of question marks about that. Yeah. I don't get it. It's very strange. Also, did the first detective set of detectives never do handwriting analysis that like compared the B's? On the notes on the wind, is this something the new detective did? Or had this been done, did those first detectives never look at the handwriting and saw that it was Ken's handwriting? That it was the same The bisque note? I don't understand. I mean, how did they test anyone else's handwriting? Did they test all of the three guys that were connected to the racetrack? Did they go through the motions here? Because I think that some people, I think that is a fair number of people that write Bs like sixes. Mm -hmm. I know several people myself. So Mm -hmm. I'm just, did you go through and check? Right. All right. So Cindy's sister, her very loyal sister, Pam, says, somebody planted it, but it wasn't Cindy. Believe you me. She still thinks Cindy's perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then we meet Cindy's defense attorney, whose name is, did you catch it? Are you kidding? Did I catch it? (laughs) Does he have a YouTube channel called Earl Grey, colon, spilling the tea? (laughs) Because he better. And if he doesn't, that's a shame. His name is Earl Grey. And he tries to say that it's Brian, it's one of those three guys, or all three of those guys, Brian gave that story, etc. It's a pretty, I mean, the defense has a lot to work with here, let's be honest. Absolutely. The police did not do enough research, and you've got some reasonable doubt here. Yeah. Now, the defense wants all of those guys to testify, because the defense seems to really believe those guys. And they had given them immunity. I don't know why they would need immunity. Because she wanted them to be free to talk on the stand. And I think if they all thought that they could possibly be co-conspirators for Cindy to have done that. Like, Cindy didn't actually do it. Like, she got one of them to do it. Which is kind of what I think happened. Oh, interesting. I had questions about that. Okay. Okay. So... They all say we had absolutely nothing to do with it. Brian says, no, I made up that whole story. I was drunk. Gary says, I did know Cindy, and I had possibly called her a bisque in the past. Mm -hmm. But no, I didn't kill her. Mm -hmm. Eddie Munster, Butch, says, I don't remember where I was. I travel a lot, you guys. I'm Eddie Munster. But also, I didn't do it. But I don't remember where I was. But I remember that I didn't kill anyone. 
Yeah, he also has the most little boy face in an adult man <laughs> body I've, I think I've ever seen, more than Alec Murdoch. That's because you recognize him as a little boy? No, it's because that's what's happening. That's reality. Okay. Yeah. So a friend of Ken's takes the stand and says that Ken was so scared of something at the track that he asked the friend to go with him. Now, the friend is like 85 at this point, so it's kind of funny that he was the bodyguard, but you remember this was 15 years ago, yeah. but still it's kind of funny that a he brought this friend with him. bodyguard. Mm-hmm. He said that at the track, Ken was super nervous looking around jumpy. Mm-hmm. So there was stuff going on at the track. The defense says there's no proof that Cindy conspired with the men, which is what I think happened. Cindy takes the stand. Her hair, I do have to admit, is gorgeous. It's grown to like a silver, and it looks pretty good. So Cindy has, if normally if somebody has done a crime like this and they come back into court, they are very worse for the wear. Cindy is the opposite. Cindy has aged gracefully. Well, looks she looks good. better than she does in her mugshot. Yeah, but she also just looks nice. Yeah. She looks nice. Mm -hmm. She talks about the morning where she found Ken, Mm -hmm. and she could hear her screaming, but then she didn't know it was her screaming, and then she realized it was her screaming, and she felt like she was floating above, looking down on the scene. Mm -hmm. And she points out that she always has talked to the police because she's innocent. She's never hidden anything. She admits she didn't do CPR. Mm-hmm. And she does refuse to answer certain questions from the prosecutor. And she gets very testy. And she says things like, I think I've answered that before. I've answered it before, so asked and answered. I thought she did pretty good. Mm, that was pretty feisty. Also, let your lawyer irritated. do that. Yeah, she definitely needed to let her lawyer let do that. Let your lawyer object. But I think she was... I don't. I wonder how long she was on the stand. I think they said six hours. Mm. She says she didn't hear the shots, even though she's a light sleeper. But she was highly medicated. I believe that she was outside the house and she was highly medicated. I, I, I believe that possible. too. I would like to know how highly medicated she was. I think that would help everybody out if we knew what kind of tranquilizer she had taken mm-hmm. to knock herself out. I hope the defense brought that forward and is like brought a doctor in to say, this is how deep of a sleep you would be in if you Mm -hmm. took three of these pills, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. They find her guilty of first-degree intentional homicide. I was shocked. You were shocked? And brother Don, who's Ken's brother, reads the note that mom Margaret wrote about how Ken would have been 74 and enjoying the best years of his life. It's really sad. Cindy gets life without parole. And Margaret (laughs) tells us, Cindy's a beast. Andrea says, what would you like to say to Cindy? She says, you're a beast. You're a beast. Mom's been watching Drag Race. That's <laughs> funny. So Cindy is working on her appeal. Excited to see what happens with that. Her sister Pam is screaming at Andrea, the truth is going to come out. Pam's out for blood. And Andrea says, what do you say to people who think you're just blindly supporting her and that you're very naive? And Pam says, they're wrong. And Andrea says, so you're saying the real killer and the accomplices are out there just walking free. And Pam says, the liars, you mean? Yes, they are. Oh, yeah. Pam's real mad. She's real (laughs) mad about this. She is. Lori's also kind of mad still. Yeah. she. Well, she thinks that Cindy did not act alone 
And she is still looking for answers. She's Jessica Fletchering it out there. More props to her. Both sisters are still mad. Well, that's the one thing that Cindy said on the stand that I thought was pretty credible. She goes, I talked to the police because every time that they talked to me, I mean, I thought we were getting closer to find out who shot my husband. Mm -hmm. The way that she was saying certain things made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I thought that she would possibly get not guilty because I thought that someone might have reasonable doubt. I don't know how the rest of the case laid out, but I thought maybe... I think she did it or had somebody do it, one of those guys, but I don't think they had necessarily enough to convict her. Yeah, that's where I was. I did not think they had enough to convict her. I'm yeah. not actually sure. I think that life insurance looks real bad. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that got me and her sort of not pointing fingers at the guys at the bar or we didn't see that means that you might be right, that maybe she was trying to misdirect away from the guys at the bar because they did do it. They did. They were involved somehow. So let's say she didn't do it. Do we still think Ken wrote the note that had the B word on it? No. And so someone kind of a red herring. I think, unfortunately, you're going to hate me. I think it's a coincidence that he writes his Bs like that. Interesting. Who do we think, whose pubic hair was that? Who wrote the letter? It's the new the note. Who wrote the letter? Who do we think would write a weird robot letter? That letter was real weird. And that did you It was so weird. Whose idea was that? What did the letter say? I'm if coming. you don't believe me, yeah. mm-hmm. check out this hair. If um, you don't believe me about what? Oh, it said something like he wouldn't give up his bisque, so he got his bisque. It was something it made no sense. It made it kind of implied Ken had a side piece. And that he wouldn't give them up. And so he went after Cindy, even though Cindy is fully alive. It didn't make very much sense at all. So I think California Jerry wrote it. Stone. Do you think it was all three of them? Yeah, maybe. Do we think Munster was involved? Here's the biggest question. Do we not think that Cindy was sleeping with someone else? I didn't. Do we not think she was maybe sleeping with someone else in that trailer? Oh, that night? Any night. No. Eddie Munster? Absolutely not. I can't believe this is a two-hour episode, and I still have so many questions. So many questions. What did you find out outside information that, that will help me? A tiny bit. Okay, what you got? Well, no, it would be during Twitter. I'll give you a few things. Oh, darn it. Okay, all right. Can we do Twitter first? No. That's not nice. But all we right. can say that this episode is... Very special dedication, something we don't always do. But last week was Veterans Day, and we wanted to thank all the veterans and their families. We have probably some that are Patreons and Supercasters. I know we have one guy named Matthew who's on his second deployment. Wow. And his family, Madison, Ashley, and Wyatt, love him. And Aww. it's there's like a sister that introduced the sister to the podcast, and they li- – I don't know. Anyways – I love it. They're veterans. And it reminded me, we never really think the veterans on the show. So why not? It was Veterans Day. To the troops. To the troops. Thank you so much for all your support of, oh my gosh, this podcast, but more importantly, this country. Thank you. This country. Without you guys, we could not do this dumb podcast where we make fun of people's facial hair. Where we talk kindly about true crime. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. So, B-Roll Bonanza? Yes. Ken's wife, first wife, Betty, did you mm-hmm. see her kitchen? Yes. It is yell. It's so retro. I loved it. I loved it. 
loved it. She probably hates it, which bums me out. Yeah, because sometimes cool it is now. when you have a retro kitchen, or maybe not, but sometimes when you do have an older kitchen, you just really want it remodeled. That makes I know sense. I've seen that happen too. Uh, Betty, we like your kitchen. It's Love good. it. Bright Super yellow fun. countertops. Mm-hmm. So cool. We're seeing the racetrack. We're seeing that Eddie Munster would come and sign autographs. And in one of the photos, he does have a funny shirt that he's holding up that he signed. Mm-hmm. And it says, Team Edward, like from Twilight. But That's it's funny. Eddie. It's a photo of Eddie. I wonder whose idea. Was that the promoter's idea? Mm, maybe. Maybe. Never know. We do get Lori leaning on a fence. So she's mm-hmm. at some barn. Where's the barn? Is the barn at her place in Oregon, in Washington, or this is a barn that is on the land of Kenny? Or Margaret. Margaret lives not too far away and also had a farm. Remember, that, they grew up yeah. on a farm. But that barn was the prettiest barn I've ever seen. Yeah. It's like a picture book barn. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. I have a really important B-roll that you did not bring up that I'm guessing you didn't see it. So you were very preoccupied with the butler, the sort of Dracula butler, zombie butler Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. What I really wanted to know about is in the bedroom, the closet's kind of open facing the bed, Mm -hmm. and we see what appears to be a full Beetlejuice suit, and no one says anything. It's this big black and white stripe. It looked like a suit hanging. You didn't see it? No. Black and white stripes. So either somebody's a referee or it's a Beetlejuice suit. (laughs) It looked too much for a referee. Like it would be multiple referee jerseys. I don't think so. I think it's a Beetlejuice suit, but it was out in the room. I totally missed it. I'm shocked. I really, I needed to know what was going on, but I guess I will never know. Rainy is on the phone in a staircase, like a yellow staircase. Yes. And it's like the original Bag of Wieners, who was also on the staircase. Remember? But she's better. Who was she texting? Wasn't she leaning back on the staircase? Way better. He was leaning, He was leaning, talking about his balls were up inside of him. (laughs) Exactly. We do get the B-roll that is the racing footage POV. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if they had fun. Yeah. I'm wondering if some of the camera people got to go zoom, zoom, like real fast. I bet they had fun doing that. There's a close-up of a steamy mug Mm -hmm. that we were seeing for a long time. Margaret has her rosary, yeah. and Margaret and Brother Don are looking through loose-leaf photos on a picnic bench outside That's really, of their That must be Margaret's house. Adorable house. That's a beautiful porch. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really pretty. We see a lot of pictures of California Jerry and Gary. It's really just a couple of their – I mean, we see – when I say a lot of pictures, we see one picture multiple times of B, in B-roll of Gary and Jerry mm-hmm. that are rough. Mm-hmm. That's the best we got. That is. There are no photos of these men. These men are off the grid. Also, Randall's photo looks like a mugshot. It does. That's why I think all these guys are involved or they just wanted no part in Dateline, not even to submit some good looking photos. I have so many questions. Yeah. For those guys. Precious moments. Everything with Margaret. Everything with Margaret. It was unbelievable. And she's 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 my MVP along with Lori. I really liked Lori. Yeah, Lori did good. So, fashion police, Margaret's shirt in this. I don't know if you could see it on the dateline. Could you see it on the dateline or just in that behind the scenes thing? What is it? I didn't it's see it. It's bright purple and mm-hmm. in rhinestones, it says, live simply, laugh often, whine a lot, 
with the wine bottle all in rhinestones, which normally I'd be like, uh, she's 104 years old. Let That's adorable. Oh, that's all the so rhinestones. Cute. Yeah, 100%. I just wrote here, Rainy is a cool looking chick. I don't know what I just- She's what she you want to be. Yeah, I, I will never be that. But she's very, she's that. very, very cool. I need to talk about Butch Patrick's courtroom attire, which was a white sport coat. Mm. If you have a child face, but you're an adult man, a white sport coat makes you, that's what little kids wear to church. It is? Like in the 70s. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. In the summertime? You bet. So like Easter Sunday, little Butch Patrick going to church? Mm. Could be. But anyways, it was just, he was just very dapper, dapperly dressed for mm. court. He was also very credible on the stand. You sort of believed him when he said, I just don't remember. I was like, yeah, I feel, yeah, buy that Butch Patrick. And I was like, wait, am I being pulled in by Butch Patrick and <laughs> Eddie Munster's charm? Eddie Munster orbit. Yeah. Did you have any other fashion police? Andrea has the cutest plaid dress. She does. I Super cute. Loved. I tweeted that I loved it and couldn't pull it off, but I just loved it. It was really and, cute. Yeah. Huge fan. Titles. Mm, I just wrote, Pam yells at Andrea and the world. <laughs> That's what I wrote here. I wrote, new butler, who dis? I think there that might have, I might have mentioned that. The butler didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Do the Munster mash. Oh, there we go. Spill the Earl Grey tea, which you basically said earlier. Mm-hmm. And that was all I got. That's really good. How about wife kills husband, colon, deal with it? <laughs> that's it. That's what but I got. You don't necessarily think she did. I am. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get yelled at. But okay. I am not sure. I I left being like uh, there were so many holes for me. Yeah. It, it seemed improbable that she did this by herself. Mm-hmm. And then we won't know because they were given immunity. I don't think they had enough to get her on at all without gunshot residue in on the hands. The, this circumstantial seemed too circumstantial for me. I would like to know how the trial went in total yeah. because it felt to me like that from what I saw on the Dateline, if I was a jury member, I would have to do reason. I would have to do reasonable doubt. So I'd like to know exactly what was presented. This is a case, a trial I would like to watch. Yeah. I really want to know. Yeah. I just don't think Brian making all that up, I can totally see. I can see him bragging about it at the racetrack or at the bar. Mm -hmm. For Rainey to also make it up mm -hmm. and to go so far as to go on Dateline, when right. she doesn't at all seem to be a vengeful person, they both say they had an amicable relationship. He said we were fine. Or uh, did she say that? I think she said that. No, he said they were fine. He, he was said like, they we didn't were fine. have that bad of a man. And she didn't. I don't. She didn't mention that like he was horrible to her. And that she did say she was a little scared. She was scared to say anything. His so name maybe was Doctor Dissect. He is Doctor Dissect. But so then, why is she coming forward? Just don't go on Dateline. You are still so angry at this person who is now your ex-husband. It's in the past. It's not which like unfortunately leads to me to believe that she believes he had something to do with it. Right, and she to says he told it. her, which makes me think he told her that. And whether she, he was making it up or not. Or not. Um, to mess with her. But now there's multiple people making up this story that these same people were involved. And then there's, the, and then there's also the promoter who says no comment on whether or not Butch Patrick had – do you see what I'm saying? Here's the problem I have. Ray, Rainey didn't say 
We, yeah, the wife wanted him dead. Rainy didn't bring up Cindy at all. No, it was Randall that wanted him dead. Right. Not Cindy. Mm-hmm. So to me, if you look at it from this, this is the perspective that I was starting to see. This mm-hmm. new detective did actually tunnel focus on Cindy, so removed everyone around her as right. suspects, even though they really shouldn't have probably been removed because of what was happening and mm-hmm. what was happening at the time, which was Randall was getting sued for fraud. Mm-hmm. Also, it feels like he sort of focused in on Cindy and let all this other stuff go. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So it really could have just so been that. So it's coincidental that he has maybe a gold-digging wife it's, who it hates could be coinc- children. Yes. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Or they're all involved together. She was aware that there was something happening. She's sleeping with Randall, let's say. They both agree they would be better off without him. And then I feel like her name would have come up. I feel like then the Brian story and these other stories, the bartender would have, Cindy's name would have come out of his mouth. Unless he didn't know that she was also behind it. Somebody would have said something. One of, all of those guys were interviewed multiple Mm -hmm. times, right? Mm -hmm. Or just once? (laughs) I think multiple times. Yeah, I think multiple times. So I feel like Cindy's name would have come up. Let us know what you guys think. Let us. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not just trying to defend Cindy to defend Cindy. It feels like there's something else I do think it's strange that all these things were happening at the house that weren't normally happening at the house. She was sleeping outside the house in a trailer, so she wouldn't be there. The two foster kids would not be there. The doors would all be unlocked and the security cameras would all be off. If she wasn't in on it and telling them tonight's a good night to come. Yeah, that is true. But I don't think she pulled the trigger. I really don't see that happening. Why not? I don't know. I don't know. Feeling? It's not a good feeling. It's not like I don't have any justification. I just kind of don't. Most of the time I can see it. And I the gun it. has not been found. So I don't know if she had time to get rid of the gun or if, again, someone else was involved. And so we know someone else was involved because the promoter said no comment. And what does the promoter <laughs> have to lose? Is it possible she is trying to add to the allure and mystique of Butch, Eddie Munster, so that he get more work. So like maybe he's involved with the murder. And so she's trying to make him sound more interesting when in fact he is very boring and not involved in murder at all. Also, she's not really his publicist. She's his promoter. I think she's a different person than the publicist. She is a promoter. Yeah. She's so like I the don't one who schedules these signing meet and greet autograph things. Right. I don't. Why would he confide in her if he, she's just the promoter? But they've worked together for many years. Right. Why would she say no comment? It makes no sense. Why would they not follow up with the no comment? Because okay, the, the detective, detective didn't wanted ask, it to be Cindy. The detective didn't say, did he do this? Because then she could say, well, I don't want to say no, because what if it turns out he did? I could get in trouble. The detective asked, did he mention to you that he was involved? And that's a yes or no. She would know the answer. Did and he to mention that, it to I'm me or not? I'm going to have to say no comment, which means, yes, we've discussed this issue. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk to you any further without a lawyer. Maybe the question was posed, did he mention to you if he did or did not have something to do with it? And in her mind, they had had a conversation where he said, I'm not involved. 
but she doesn't want to say, yes, we did discuss if he was involved or not. So she just says no comment. But the discussion no, was, you would I'm not say, involved. No, if he said, no, if he had said to her, this is crazy. I think they think I had something to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. She would say, we did discuss it because he got a call from police and he said it was crazy and he had nothing to do with it. That's what she would say. Unless she's trying to be dramatic. I really, okay. But more like You see what I'm saying, right? That there's I'm some saying stuff the same here. thing. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Okay. But no, I fully think that it's the weirdest answer possible that she could have given. So stop stalling. And tell me the outside information that might help sway my mind. Oh, okay. I'm not sure if there is any. I don't really remember. I'm just going to go through my Twitter now. Darn it. You said um, you had something. There was something you saw outside. Michelle says, you need to add a square for big Mickey energy because that's all I can think of with Pam. With Pam. Yeah. Emily says, why is Lester no longer wearing vests? Where is Lester the vester? I don't know. It's very upsetting. We don't have any answers on that either. Carly says, pubic hair on the bingo cards? And I said, no, no that's nay. never going to be added. No, it no. will not. Charles said, loving this pharmacy B-roll. Is that a first date dateline? Yes, it is. I forgot to mention lots of Ed cutting up the pills, like dividing the pills and sliding them around. And Ed has one eye that won't close. We're worried about Ed. It won't open all the way. Why don't we have, why aren't they honing in on Ed and getting to know everything that Ed knows? Does Ed I know, to know anything? I know he has a spotlessly clean pharmacy record. I don't know about it. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Charles. Oliver said, Charles is very active on Twitter about this episode. I'm going to go check it out. So, Charles. <laughs> you're doing your You're Lord's Oliver's work, best Charles, friend. So, there you go. Getting Oliver involved. So, is it also, they met at CrimeCon. They did. They, but they he was like, buds. but he came in to tell me specially that. So, yeah, Charles, no, I think you, Oliver you, likes Charles You lot, did yeah. get a little shout out from Oliver. So, Dateline producer said... The prosecution said that no one, this is the most vague tweet. Oh, my the God. The prosecution said that no one else's fingerprints or DNA were found on the note left in Ken's bed. I'm assuming no one else means Cindy because she's the one that's on trial. Did someone say under the tweet, what does no one else mean? <laughs> no, and I should have, but I didn't. But they, But the prosecution was suggesting that... He wrote it. Right. So maybe so it no means one else besides no one else's him? Besides his handwriting was I on the my mind. fingerprint, sorry, DNA on the note. Mm -hmm. Hippie Soul says, Pam, I have a copy of the note. Andrea, please just paraphrase. <laughs> and it's like in all caps shouting. I have a sensitive spot for Pam. I feel bad about her. I feel like she's not going to like the way that she yelled on Dateline when she watches it back. I know. Sim Vicious says, it has a photo of the note that says bisque with the knife through it. Yeah. Leave little notes for your spouse around the house throughout the day to let them know you're thinking about them. Holidays are coming. Great advice. <laughs> Mary Grace said, I've watched enough Dateline to know that the note is really amateurish. Handwriting, that's the best you've got. At least paste it together in creepy magazine letters. What in the world so is the note People think for? the note was just supposed to be like, it was fake. They think it was from Cindy to make it look like she was the victim, like the intended target. And they accidentally shot him? They like no, came in and yeah, just shot what, blind? No, well, because she was out. She was in the trailer and they maybe he woke up and they were there. So they shot him. Who would want to kill her? The kids. Oh, the kids. Because they called her the bisque. I felt more like it was your next. 
If it was the kids, which is if Cindy actually thought it was the kids, that would be the logical conclusion. If she had nothing to do with it, she saw the note, he was killed. She'd be like, oh, my God, they're coming after us Mm -hmm. because we kicked him out and did this and the trash Mm -hmm. bags and blurgity blurg, the car, all Mm -hmm. that stuff with the kid. I don't know. All right. She could have gone further with the will. Like if she was faking this will, which I do think she faked. Why didn't um, the prosecution get that figured out? Was it faked? I mean, why, why isn't Ed hauled in to be like, Ed, under police questioning, did you sign this will? He did. They asked him. He said no. And I looked at the schedule. Ken and I were at work all day that day. Neither of us signed that will. And I've never signed a will as a witness. That's bad, Cindy. That might have gotten you, you convicted. It. That will might That will in the life insurance may have gotten Cindy convicted. So if she was smart, if she listened to our show, she would say that the kids killed him because they wanted his money, not knowing that he had changed the will. Like I always say, notify the people that you're changing your will. Or she your may have insurance. said that. We don't know if she said that or not. She I mean, may have said that. would be that. the smartest thing. Correct. Marcus says, the note looks like high schoolers attempting to build tension as if they were writing a screenplay. It is true. It does feel very high school, teenager-y. Yeah. Melissa says, I think it said Butch to put suspicion on Eddie Munster and not Bisk. Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) Isn't that That's really funny. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. I know. Also, there is a chance that the kids, one or both of those boys that were suspected, write their bees like their dad. That is something learned. wrote that note about her at another time. Correct. Because that she kicked them out of the house and they hated her. Correct. And she just kept the note or the note was still around. Correct. That is also. Solved it. That's it. Antisocial Butterfly said, killers don't waste time hanging around to leave notes, messages, or anything of the like. They leave immediately. Right. The note being left implies the killer is comfortable hanging around the crime scene. They know they're safe and not going to be seen. Mary, Queen of Scotch, says, Hmm. trying to get out of a DUI by confessing to driving a getaway car in a murder is a sign that you've made some very bad life decisions. Brian's having a rough go of it. He looked fine in court, though. Looks like he's doing okay. Get me out of this DUI. I was actually involved in a murder. I I know about the murder. But didn't he look good in court? It looked like he, like, cleaned himself up. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Okay. Dateline producer. Yeah. Detective Blazer said he used something called the 911 COPS scale to evaluate Cindy's statements to 911 for signs of guilt or innocence. He says they counted 21 guilty indicators and zero innocence indicators. Now, I'm sure this is not admissible in court like a lie detector, but like they tested her verbally when that other detective called her and said... It looks like you didn't kill your husband. He got the opposite results from her 911 call, but by badly, very badly. The 911 cop scale. Yeah. How many episodes have we done? A lot. Have you ever heard of this? this No, but I hadn't heard of the other thing they did that cleared her, the voice analysis thing. I think they're... Wisconsin, what's up? This is not something I've heard of that there is... Also in Wisconsin... Is the Kathleen Zellner doing that test on Stephen Avery's brain, that brain scan? It's like a lie detector. Oh my gosh, I wanted to look that up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's in the new season, the one, the, yeah, season the second two? season when she's his lawyer. Yeah. Okay. I got to look that up. 
I meant to look that up last time. Okay. I want to see the brain scan. A thing. lot of people thought she was overacting on the 911 call. She um, just sounded kind of weird, didn't she? Well, it's weird that she went to two different houses. But to me, that's weird. She got not she got through to 911. They were on their way. And then she, instead of maybe just calling back a second time to make sure they were on their way, she drove to another house and had them call 911 too. Was she better friends with the person at the second house? Seemed like she liked the person at the second house. <laughs> Margaret or Margot, whoever she was in the room with. Do you remember? That's there was an the M vibe name. you got. Because she goes, oh, no, Margot. And Margot's going, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> so you think she maybe just wanted her comforting from the second friend? Yeah, I think she did not like the first people were not giving her the... They were on the phone with 911. They were telling them to call, to come. She seemed, she was real erratic. Yeah. Very. Which could... Could be know. the medication. No, but it could mean anything. I mean, we've seen weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dan says, before she was a stay-at-home mom, Lori was the inspiration behind the movie Taken. I do feel wow. like she's like, I have a special set of skills. I do feel like Lori might be able to join our team. Our yeah, special, oh, for our sure. special investigator team. Yeah, for sure. Mary says, did Cindy ever explain why the phones didn't work? Why she couldn't call 911? And Louisa said probably because Cindy was floating and the phones were out of reach. I think Cindy literally couldn't figure it out. Yeah. I really also need to know the medication because that might also explain the route through the house. What medication and how much? He was a pharmacist. What was she on? Yeah. Because I don't know. I've done some weird stuff on no sleep. And if she hadn't really slept in three days yeah. and then she was heavily medicated, she might be a little wacky. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Mary Grace said, Cindy in prison sharing fun facts. Eddie Munster testified at my trial. <laughs> you know she's bragging. Dateline producer said, Detective Blazer told us that Cindy changed her story about the route she took from the camper to the bedroom so many times over the years, it made him suspicious. So it wasn't just that the route changed, it was that she was changing her story. And also, it's 10 years and your memory does things to you. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. But he, she was asked about it after, right after it happened, too. And that would be the one I would go with. But mm -hmm. I would, but maybe not, because we heard her in that first interview, and she is she had been quite on sedated. stuff. Yeah. Again, none of this makes me feel any better about why they didn't look into someone else's involvement as well. Mm -hmm. To think that she planned this all by herself and did this all by herself feels mm -hmm. incorrect with uh, everything else that's going on. Jacqueline says, I hope Cindy wasn't having an affair with Eddie Munster and that wasn't his pubic hair. Whose hair was it? Whose hair? Whose hair? Susan Who? says, why is Cindy's sister yelling at Andrea? We all want to know. Tracy says, Randall and Cindy sitting in a tree, K-A-S-S-I-N-G. But why are people saying that? Where are we getting any evidence that Melissa they even spoke? Melissa says, Cindy was definitely hooking up with the neighbor. Oh, my God. Why does everyone think that she's having an – what am I missing? Is that what the note was about? Why don't you think that? Exactly. The Jones Zone said, Dateline peeps crashing from our please let Eddie B. Munster be a murderer high. Because the whole time she's just like, when is it? When is Eddie Munster? Is it, is it Eddie Munster? And then she said, I was so hoping for an Eddie Munster and Wednesday Adams crime spree. Oh, God. Well, Eddie Munster knows something. So if anybody knows Eddie Munster or Butch Patrick, mm -hmm. I, it, according to the promoter, he was at one time aware of something. We just don't know what. 
Yeah. And then Joan said, sorry, 2020, Dateline had us at Eddie Munster. Dana Sand said, Eddie Munster has a publicist. Nobody remembers his real name. So whoever his publicist is, they're doing a lousy job. Butch Patrick is a pretty memorable name. I have to say both names equally sound like a television character. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Mm Mm-hmm. Joy Maria said, so the pharmacist heard, invest in my racetrack. We can get Eddie Munster to sign autographs and thought it was a good idea. Yes, that is exactly what happened. Both pharmacists had that idea. So the racetrack is fully Munstered out. Yeah, I'll get to that. Mickey says, I never trusted Eddie Munster. Dan says, shocked that a guy living on a campground next to a racetrack would be a bad business partner. Were they high school friends? No. Okay. Dan says, if Ed is your pharmacist, there's a 1,000% chance your refill got messed up. This is might lose Ed his job. <laughs> I know. I'm not kidding. Someone's going to look at this. I wish they had said ex-pharmacist, and then I would feel so much better. But they show him in his B-roll dividing like, up the pills. Kind of smiling at the – like his smile hurts. I went, oh, because he's got these watery rabbit eyes, mm-hmm. and he's like giving them their bag of medicine <laughs> Like, no, no. (laughs) Tracy said, please give us an update on the exotic dancers. Is the pharmacist still making payments on their rent? And Lori said, this is the story we we really want. Hashtag spinoff. Why did we need to know any? Is Dateline sort of shady? What's happening? Why did we need to know that? We just really need to know that. We didn't really, except that Pam had said that part of their rift was because they didn't go to Vegas and get lap dances anymore. But then we find we didn't need to know that Ed's girlfriend was an exotic dancer, except that he was home with her. That's sort of his alibi. But like he was with the the friend too, who's also an exotic dancer. We didn't need to know any of that. He's living with both of them. They could have just said his girlfriend. They could have said Ed was home with. That could have been one sentence. Absolutely, thirty seconds long. Ed was at home with his girlfriend. They know what they're doing. You. Yeah, they totally do. You hear me, right? That's yeah. that that's okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Also, Pam's point of saying all of that was like Ken was kind of a mess and Cindy turned him around. Right. Was sort of the point. And then we My hear these messages was, mm-hmm. from Ken that are like I love you beautiful and all this very sweet. So we do sort of get that notion. So yeah. I think that's what Pam Pam wasn't as much trying to shade Ken as be like they became a couple because he stopped those ways because of right. my sister. Yeah. Dateline producer said that Ken had a customized license plate that said Farman, but with a PH because he loved being a farmer and a pharmacist. I tried to get somewhere with a title with Farman Pharmacist. He's Farman. Good. The founder of the race Farmersonly.com. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Love it. So Randall... The founder of the racetrack didn't just name the track after the Munsters. He also built replicas of the Munsters cars, which are called Munster Mobiles. Oh, I know those. Yeah. Took them to car shows and Halloween attractions around the country. So Butch Patrick was super involved with these guys. They like got in thick as thieves. Yeah, I think so. Okay. What? So, so a lot of money was spent on this stuff. Yeah. Randall did all that because he was obsessed with the Munsters. Yeah. So I'm wondering if these guys were kind of mad at Butch Patrick. 
because Randall kept pulling him in and being and probably paying some sort of fee to have him come to oh, these. Oh, and they were things. like, "Don't keep spending money for and Bruce. He's or Butch. I keep calling him Bruce. He's not bringing the people into the stands. Like right. that's the, what the cars are doing." And Randall's just living out a childhood fantasy of building these monster and mobiles. Being best friends and they're like, with Eddie. This isn't the Batmobile. This is the mm-hmm. Monster Mobile. You know, sixty-five people <laughs> right. care. What I mean, I don't know. Maybe monsters have a huge fan following, but I feel like no, I, I could, no, yeah, I agree with that. There yeah. hasn't been a monster movie. Yeah, Lori says she was inspired by her brother's case to go back to school and get a certificate in paralegal studies. That's pretty cool. Look Good at for that, you, Lori. I know. I would have preferred a private investigator license, but that's me being selfish. Maybe that's next. Igor says we still don't know who sent the satchel of pup. <laughs> I can't say it. We still don't know who sent the satchel of pubic hair. That's another mystery here that desperately needs to be solved. And then Free Shrugs has a photo of what's his name from Home Alone saying, it's our calling card, Harry. We're the pubic hair bandits. (laughs) Anyways, Twitter was really fun. Twitter is fun. That was a good Twitter. Good job, guys. It's really time consuming. So if you could send me funny tweets, you guys, it would be so helpful because there are thousands and thousands and we have a very short turnaround from the time the episode airs and when we record and it takes a couple hours to go through so all the it would tweets. be amazing yeah just send me funny tweets that you see just tag me in that that send would be so tweets. helpful yeah but thank you everybody for tweeting we love it yeah it's so fun to see also what did the letter say again <laughs> he said Like, he wouldn't give her up, so he had to lose her, something like that. And if you don't believe me, check out this, like... He had to give her up. It says, hang on, it says, he won't give his bisque up, so he got hers too. What does that mean? Maybe it was supposed to be he got his too? But it's written in that weird print. So. It's, it's, there, there are no vowels. So it's like he got hers too, which is H R S. And There's if no you don't believe what I'm saying, check out the baggie. And that's, it has the hair in it. But I prefer calling it a satchel, like that person on Twitter did. It I makes think it, it sound fancier. I think it is definitely a satchel. I'm trying to find, I'm desperately trying to find the letter. Oh, there it is. I got it. Runster tried $250. I sat my boys. Don't go own. Wow. Even stilled to run forever. A little smokin' Jack and I. No talk. I'll a liar. This is written in code. Bisque said it was in aloud. It was me. Oh, how did they even read this? I think it was written by just a crazy person who wanted to be involved in the case. Does it help that boys is spelled B-O-Y-Z? <laughs> no, it doesn't. As in boys to men. At least he put an O in there. There's a vowel. And it all over, it was single white female. I just, oh my gosh, this is, I'm going to really try to decode this. Okay. Let everybody know. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe if I can decode it, I can solve this mystery. You know those code-o-grams? Yes. Cryptograms? Each letter has a assigned number value, and you that's how you figure out what the code is? Is that possible? I don't. We are just missing the syllabus or the code key that has what each letter stands for, because they're actually rearranged and they mean something else. 
$25. Are you stupid? Try $250. (laughs) That's the first line of that I can read here. Oh my. Who's Jack? To run forever. Is Jack Jerry? California Jerry? California Jerry, did you write this letter? I need to know. Who wrote this letter? Did the promoter write this letter? Who wrote the letter? (laughs) This is the note. I need to, I need, I always get like, whenever there's a note, I always am like, oh my God, it's a note. Oh my God. And this has two notes? Yeah, two notes. Okay. This was an amazing case worth two episodes. I hope anybody got some peace. No, you know who I hope got peace? Margaret. Margaret's the only one we really care about. Margaret needed to get some peace. I'm glad that both sisters are still going to work on it from their point of views. Go forth into the world. We'll see see what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I have, yeah, I got nothing. I love that. That's all. That's all. Thank you, everybody. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter is Date Dateline, and our Instagram is also Date Dateline. And check out our Patreon Supercast. And happy... Be your own monster. Be your own Butch Patrick. Wilma! I'm just kidding. That's another show. Bye, everybody! I still think it's dissect. I think it might be dissect. You've got me all flummoxed. (laughs) I'm totally underwater here. It probably is dissect. I definitely said it weird. Like I put too much emphasis on the first part, but I still think it's dissect. Yeah, you're going to dissect a body. Because you bisect. You dissect. So I'm going to have to go in and replace that 40 times. No, you don't. Oh, oh, I do. It's going (laughs) to drive people crazy. All right. Why are they saying dissect? That's not a word. (laughs) So. 